It's everyone's favorite show about all things Utah. A show where four hosts, and sometimes a guest, discuss whatever they want regarding Utah, and mostly stay on topic. It's the new Utah Podcast, with your hosts, Bree, Chris, Jeremy, and Jessica. Well, it's episode 247 of the new Utah Podcast. Um, We are recording via software that has been giving us fits tonight, but hopefully this will be better. Um, it, uh, it should sound fine, uh, which is all that you guys really give a shit about that's listening. Um, this is going to be, uh, I just want to give everyone a warning. This is, this for some people is going to be a tough show. Hopefully it'll still be fun and enlightening. Um, we are, uh, you know, our guest tonight, uh, th- tonight, this episode is, um, is, uh, Jesse the therapist. Uh, she's, uh, Jesse Shepard is a, uh, a licensed therapist that works for, uh, Blue Co- Blue Clover Therapy, if I can speak, <laughs> um, and does a, a podcast called the Morning Struggle Podcast. Um, and, uh, we, we're going to talk a lot about, uh, mental health. Um, we're going to take, uh, Take a little bit different spin on it. I think we're going to talk um, about some some ways to cope and um, talk a little bit about mental health in general. Um, so, but sometimes those are those are tough topics for people to uh, to swallow. Um, there's, you know, we're going to talk a lot about it tonight. The whole show is going to be about mental health and and mental health in Utah. So, uh, I I would like to start uh, just just throw this out there. We'll probably bring it up again towards the end of the show. Um, anytime we talk about mental health, anytime we talk about those struggles, uh, I do like to mention the the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Um, if, you, if you need to talk to someone, uh, if you're feeling like crap's just shitty, um, a lot of us do uh, at various Did points. Did you just say that crap's just shitty? Yep. yep. <laughs> hey, I actually sh- I saw a video today of uh, the – I watch too much TikTok, by the way, speaking of like social media <laughs> binging. Um, <laughs> So there's a lot of videos of like women like using Nutella uh, and being like, "Con, I need toilet paper out of toilet paper." And then when they grab the toilet paper from their husband or their kid, like breaching it in the bathroom, they wipe Nutella on their hand. So it's like there's poop uh, on. Who are you watching? Yeah. And so anyway, so this one. I haven't seen one of those. So this one today was a husband getting back at the wife and he stuck his finger in Nutella and then he sprayed fart spray on it because fart spray is a thing that a lot of people are doing in TikTok, like spraying in the car and seeing okay, like. Okay, again, this is your TikTok. <laughs> and so then he comes across her. <laughs> she's like washing dishes and he wipes his finger across her nose or like right under her nose and goes shit stash. <laughs> and of course it smells like shit. Cause he sprayed part fart spray on his finger and it's Nutella. And she's like, what the hell did you, what, what did you, <laughs> you are so disturbed. I bet you laughed. So I can imagine you laughing out loud to that. Again. I was hilarious. <laughs> I would never, ever, ever do that to Brie. I would probably have to sleep in her shed outside if I did that to Brie. For weeks. <laughs> but it's so funny. It's so not. So anyway, if you're feeling uh, like your crap is just too shitty and you need to talk to someone. <laughs> seriously, though, the, the, you know, we're. Our our Facebook is a is a place you can reach out, um, and and we do respond to messages there. Sometimes fast, some are faster than others, but you know we're we're always willing to to 
talk uh, if you need to. Um, but there is a, a, a hotline for that. It's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's not just for people who are ready to kill themselves. Um, it's it's for if you need to talk to someone, if, if you need, um, you know, just that just someone to feel like you're not by yourself. They also have a tech staff too. Yeah. They Julia do. worked with that for about a year. They do. They do. And there's, there's a specific app for the state of Utah, but the national line is 1-800-273-8255 for now. There's another one coming. Uh, nine, eight, eight will be coming. I think in uh, July of 2022. Um, it's a ways away. They got to set everything up, but I have to tell you this cause it's kind of funny. And does it have to do with the uh, shit stash? No. Oh. It has to do with like trying to, you know, solve your own problems or whatever. But today I told Jeff that it's like trying to repair a bucket with Swiss cheese. And he's like, I think I need to use that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know where that came from. I had to like have heard it from making a bucket somewhere. out of Swiss cheese? No, like trying, you know, like there's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza. Like, and then you try and fix it with Swiss cheese, which has holes in it. Oh, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Okay. It clearly wasn't that funny if I had to explain it to you. <laughs> well, I don't know that song that you just said. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza. Dear it was on Liza. Sesame Street. Have you not heard that song ever? No. Oh, my God. I have not. It was a Sesame Street episode. Jess, have you heard that song? I have. Why am I the only one that hasn't? I don't know. Andrew grew up in Wyoming, so you should have heard it. Have I ever told you guys about the Mr. Rogers thing? So I loved Mr. Rogers when I was little. Like, we loved him. And I knew what time the show was on. Because that's just kind of how kids are with stuff. Back in the day, because you could only watch a show when it was on. That's true. There was no DVR back then, um, let alone fucking on-demand shit and YouTube and everything else. Um, But I knew when Mr. Rogers was on, and my mom would change the channel because she hated Mr. Rogers. Uh, And she would change the channel. She'd be like, it's not on. I'm like, yeah, it is, Mom. I'd change it. (laughs) So I watched a lot of Mr. Rogers and typically Sesame Street because they were usually back-to-back. Um. So yeah. Also, that Mister Rogers documentary is so good. Yeah, it was. Really I saw. Good. I watched that. That was actually pretty good. And didn't his? Did his wife just? There's die? a yeah. There's a couple of them out there. Yeah the 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 one that uh, the one that Tom Hanks did uh, the the movie that Tom Hanks did was. Won't really you be my neighbor? Good. Is that what it's called? That was really good. Yeah, that was really really good. And I and if you watch that, I don't remember what the documentary was called that that had come out right around the same time, um, but. You know, Tom Hanks did a spectacular job of playing Mr. Rogers and and who he was and what he was all about. And he really was just like. So, won't you be my neighbor? Is the documentary okay? And then, what's the Tom Hanks movie? Um, the Tom Hanks one, um, is um. Hold on a second. What's a movie about Mr. Rogers starring Tom Hanks? Yeah. <laughs> a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I think we should watch that other one, though. What other one? The Won't you be my neighbor? Yeah, we can watch them again. Uh, they're really good. I would watch them multiple times. They're great. Did we watch? Mm-hmm. You be, I don't remember it. Yeah, it was good. I only remember the Tom Hanks one. Yeah, they're 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 yeah they're both spectacular. So, um, also a really good movie if you're into childhood um, actors and stuff and children's shows is Death to Smoochie. One of the best movies Robin uh, Robin Williams ever made. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. It's a really good movie, um, and it's not. He is 
still Robin Williams, but it's a more serious role. He went to that phase where he did the like the one hour photo. Yeah, and, it's not about it's not the psycho one hour photo type. That movie role, is but I'm just so saying bad. he went through a period of time where he kind of did those a little bit more serious stuff, serious and not quite so Robin Williamy. Yeah, that the Death of Smoochie is a very culty like. It's got a cult classics type feel to the film, and it's I really love that film. It's great. Um, but that's not about Utah. <laughs> this podcast, however, is. Um, I, 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 I don't know where to start. I'm, it's been a rough. It's been a rough evening of recording. Uh, I, I really want to know um, how everyone's doing overall. Life's good. It's the middle of February. Finally got the couch. Yeah. That we ordered the week before Thanksgiving. So happy about that. <laughs> Just got all our new carpet. She's got a new roommate. We'll have to check in in a couple of weeks and make sure the roommate's doing good. Jess, I got to ask, this roommate didn't pretend to be dead, did they? No, no. She's not, not as of yet. Not as of yet. <laughs> oh, no, Chris, you don't even know that story. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, a story for I another could day. know that story. You could. This, but... is, this is the story time portion of the show. It's not. It's not because I'll have to remember it. It's been a long time since I've talked about it. But it wasn't Ron. Ron. No, this die. was like this is way, way, way before Ron. Ron's still in quarantine. Ron is not in quarantine. He but he's still is... just hanging out by himself in his room. Yes. <laughs> sometimes, sure. sometimes he takes a nap on the couch. I told him I was going to buy him a blanket because he always uses mine. He maybe he just likes your smell, Jess. No, it's actually it's, it's a brand new blanket and it's really really soft. Maybe <laughs> I got it's it like at a, maybe it's like you know like because with our dogs like when you first kennel train them you want to put some of your clothes in their kennel so they <laughs> they have your scent when they're going to bed. He wants your scent. Oh, it's just more comfortable. It's not creepy. It's just more comfortable. He's not like it's it's not like the creepy like smell your hair when he says hi to you. Yeah, no, he doesn't do that either. <laughs> Does he come in the room and say, Justice isn't creepy. I'm going to lay on your blanket. <laughs> no, I'm not usually, I mean, not usually home. It's only happened a couple of times. So how do you know it doesn't go into your room? Do you have oh cameras? Don't. <laughs> because he's not disrespectful now. like that. <laughs> you know of. No, it's not a disrespectful thing. It's a No, that thing. is. That's a personal space disrespectful <laughs> thing. <laughs> Hey, some people don't like Ron, know social boundaries. I'm I'm working on cakes, and like Ron even knows, like not even to come into the kitchen to bake dinner if I'm working well, on a cake. So that's because he doesn't want to face your wrath. That's different. Can he like cook hot pockets in the microwave at least? I can honestly roll? say I've never seen Ron cook either of those. He actually is a very good cook. What does he eat, or does he have a secret like hot plate downstairs he, that you don't know about? No, he or, he mostly he orders DoorDash, but he does the like blue apron boxes, and he uh, he is, just takes the time. He usually does it late at night. He'll take time and and cook his meals, and he's really good. I at will it. say, like, just because you get the blue apron box doesn't mean you're a good cook. By the way, nor does it mean <laughs> you can actually cook what's in the blue apron box. Because there no, are plenty of people he, that fuck that he, stuff up. He is. He's really really good at it. Elena, on the other hand, she. Lives off of like pizza rolls and hot pockets. So yeah, see there you go. Does she have a microwave in her own bedroom yet? No, oh my god, no. She better not. It would probably <laughs> catch something on fire. <laughs> well, what, that way, when she does laundry at two in the morning and has the munchies, she can just yeah. uh, pop some. 
pizza bites in the Put microwave. the kibosh on that, so no. She's, she's already doing that downstairs in the microwave. What? No one, no <laughs> one's where the microwave's at now. Yeah. Jess probably wouldn't care if all she was doing was heating up pizza rolls in the microwave, but no, she's using the freaking washing machine that's like against Jess's room. Well, it's in the I remember middle. the layout of your house, right? I've only been no, it's in the middle. <laughs> I mean, it's adjacent. It's adjacent. But it's, not, it's not like it's it's not like it's behind her bed headboard or something. That would be really inconvenient. I think that's an <laughs> exterior wall. You'd it would because like... I don't even have a headboard right now. I'm still waiting for my new bed. <laughs> uh, so, are you like on on like blankets on the floor? No, I have a mat. I have a brand new mattress. I got a mattress for Christmas a year ago. So that's just chilling on the new carpet. Yep. <laughs> Really? Yep. <laughs> oh, that takes me back. Yeah, I know. I, I was like a, I was like Rico Suave in my first apartment outside of the U. I didn't have my own bed yet because it was at my parents' house, and uh, I had I literally for like I don't know six months I was sleeping on a, a pallet of blankets. Like um, I think that's what you call it when you put like six blankets down. Yeah, I was, and some of them were like Afghans, so it was yeah. like a <laughs> and I would, sorry, you can earmuffs this if you want, Brie, but I would bring home girls and they would, like, I must have been pretty fucking charming because they would still stay the You're night. Like, here, the here, floor, here's my pallet blanket. of beautiful blankets. No, yeah, a blanket. Once. Listen, some girls My grandma like made that. <laughs> well, I'm going to agree with the, the charming part because you are charming when you want to be. Yeah, that's sometimes not, you're just an sometimes asshole, I though. just talk about shit stashes <laughs> uh, I would have laughed at that too <laughs> I'm gonna find the video and send it that to would you. have been one that I just went that's and so gone by. it is so funny um all right so so uh I do want to talk you know if I, I I say that Brie would stick me out in the shed in jest but she probably would actually stick me out in the shed if I gave her a shit stash a fake shit stash I would never do a real one that's for <laughs> sure or a fake one. Yeah, no, because I'm not that one. stupid. But if I did, she might even divorce me. And if she were to divorce me, uh, she would she would try to use ourdivorce.com first because it would save her. I like, doubt she'd try grand. to use it. I bet she would use well, it. Well, it would have to be amicable. And I don't know if I would agree. If she was divorcing me for a fake shit stash, I'd just be like, it was a joke. You have to get over it at some point. Like, does does all the time that we've had together not? I don't have to do. See, I don't anything. think she would. <laughs> There's but your answer right But there. I know that going into it, so I'm not going to do that. But if we were, uh, maybe we would use. Uh, maybe I would want to do it too because I don't want to spend twelve, thirteen grand on on attorneys' fees. So, uh, ourdivorce.com would be that that place where we could both go and amicably, you know, set up a divorce. In the part and, where you put your reason for divorce. Shit stash. Shit stash. Fake shit stash. Shit stash no, joke. I, I like faux better. Hot Carl. Faux. It's more classy if it's a faux <laughs> shit stash. <laughs> I gave her a dirty Sanchez, all right? Oh. <laughs> I was going to do a hot Carl, but it ended up just being a dirty Sanchez. Bree is not happy with this description right now. I'm sorry. In fact, our divorce might not be happy. <laughs> Hardivorce.com might not like, not even gonna like make what it I'm saying right now. Uh, no, I'm not talking like this. It's Hawaii is several months away. and I, I, I'm still worried about Hawaii happening as COVID, you know, mutates and stuff. But Chris is my calm in the storm. I'm, I'm firmly confident we'll be able to go to Hawaii in October. Um, we might have to avoid shit stashes, though. <laughs> and I think we'll probably have to all be vaccinated. So that's good. So if you married somebody who won't get vaccinated, I think that's a good reason for divorce. I don't want to get autism. 
Whoa. So I saw a meme the other day that said that there was like a certain percentage of scientists that actually were on the spectrum. And then the next slide was, so science causes autism. Or no, so autism causes science. Because the scientists are like making the vaccines and stuff, right? And they're autistic. I so mean, autism look, causes science. If you look at um, any kind of like... Um, uh, prodigy or genius. Um, they're all, they all have, like even Albert Einstein, that dude had some serious social problems. Well, I just think to be that, that far smart, like something else has to give. And yeah, like Bach and Beethoven right. and Mozart, they were all fucking crazy and socially inept in other ways. And so I think, Zero you know, social socially space. you, you, you give up the ability to, to be more social for whatever else it is. And I think autism, sometimes we just can't find that in the person because they do get so lost inside. Can you imagine if Bach was one of those personal bubble people who didn't understand personal space and you'd go to one of his concerts and he'd walk out and be right in your face. Hey, (laughs) like nobody wanted to be around him. Wasn't Bach deaf though? Yes. All the more reason to get closer so he can hear you. (laughs) (laughs) He's like yelling in your face. I think he had his piano on the ground. So at the time, people were like, oh, Bach invited us over. (sighs) Yeah, I know. I I know one of the big composers, the vibrations from the piano is what what really did it for him. So I don't want to pretend to be an expert in musical, classical musical theory. Um, I just know that geniuses oftentimes have issues, so. Um, okay, so let's. We're just gonna jump in head first uh, into well, this. Well, we kind of work because, like, that's a mental health thing. Genius is having issues. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so, like I said, we are gonna talk to Jesse, the therapist, here in just a little bit. Um, but first, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the mental health stuff that's been going on in the state of Utah. Some numbers, some some recent stuff. So, one of the things that um, you know, I think everyone kind of uh, believes is. With the current pandemic uh, in 2020, the the COVID-19 virus and everyone staying home and, you know, people losing their jobs and and whatnot, you know, um, domestic violence is going up. Suicide rates are going up in theory. Uh, People are are seriously worried about those things. But there's a a new study that has has just come out. um, And, uh, you know, Ben Winslow, I think, was the one that first reported it on Fox, at least the first local stuff that I saw. Um, But essentially what the study says is this the Utah Department of Health has found that COVID-19 hasn't actually caused a significant increase in suicides, drug overdoses or mental health issues within the state of Utah. Um, and that's from 2019 to 2020. So the difference in the numbers between 2019 and 2020, whether or not that's going to hold true for 2021, that's a big question for me. Um, I do think that <clears throat> one of the things that Utah has going for it, this is just me speaking anecdotally. I don't think it's in the article necessarily, but you know, we, we talk a lot about the Mormon community here. But we do have a, a strong community uh, in, in most places, um, you know, being 60 percent LDS in the state and, and some communities are like 90 percent LDS. I think as a whole, you have a support system in place um, that, that you can lean on a little bit uh, during these times. Um, that's not true for everyone, obviously. Um, I think the the joblessness rate in Utah is still really low. I think it's the fifth best in the nation. Um, I think it's holding steady right around four and a half to five percent, 
which is really quite remarkable. Um, and, you know, having a secure and stable job during a pandemic is it's huge. It is a huge deal. I'm not saying that's the way it is for everyone because there are a lot of people suffering, but Utah as a whole has been much better than most of the country um, in that regard. Um, so I, I don't know. Did you guys see other stuff in that that was uh, of interest to you? As they all look at the articles now. Um, you know, there was the, the numbers, just to kind of give you an idea, back in 2019, what, what they're kind of comparing to, um, you know, Utah was, to say that we haven't had an increase is, um, it's kind of a misnomer because, you know, where do you go uh, but down when you're one of the worst in the country for mental health? Um, and back in 2019, uh, there was a study that was put out. Um, Utah, um, I think it, uh, especially some of the pediatric stuff. So Utah was one of the 11 states where the prevalence of child mental health disorders exceeded 20%. Uh, and we were among the bottom 12 states for the percentage of mentally ill children receiving care. So not only did we have a lot of uh, mental health disorders with kids in particular, but they weren't getting treatment. Um, Utah teens, uh, the of the Utah teens who have experienced a major depressive episode in 2015, 40% of them didn't get treatment. Um, and these are just federal health numbers. These are just federal numbers from surveys and studies and 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 visits with with mental health professionals and doctors. Um, Utah's numbers suck. So it's cool that they didn't go up, but they're not great. Um, they're they're really bad, in fact. Well, with um, a shortage of practitioners right now, too, and with more people needing it, like I feel these numbers are just going to go up for a while. And and porn, just remember, porn is the public health emergency in the state of Utah, <laughs> not mental health. Um, but to be fair, like a porn addiction, if there is such a thing, that's a mental health issue, right? Yes. That's not addiction a physical is, issue. Yes, addiction one hundred percent is a addiction mental health to anything issue. exactly. Um, and maybe maybe the porn you know crisis in the state will be handled by uh, helping out with mental health. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't think that's how they do stuff, but. Um, it is important to look at some numbers as a whole. So about 20% of adults in the U.S. experienced some kind of mental illness during 2019. Of all mental illness, depression is actually the most common with 7.1% of adults suffering from at least one episode of major depression. Um, major depression is defined as having severe symptoms that interfere with a person's ability to work, sleep, study, eat, and enjoy life. Uh, and I, you know, I, that number I think is probably low. To be quite I was honest, say well, but how many people don't ever report it, or don't ever say anything, or don't ever seek help? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I can tell you, I've never reported that I've been in a really bad spot, and I'm not necessarily in a bad spot all the time. But I've had points where that exactly fit me. I didn't necessarily want to kill myself, but I didn't want to get up and go to work. I, I didn't sleep well, or I slept too much, which is probably more often the case for me because I sleep a lot. Um, but you know, I, I just ate, I didn't want to go out, didn't want to do anything. Um, and I think the same can be said with anxiety Uh huh. because anxiety has a lot of the same traits as depression. Well, and, and it's important to remember the difference between sadness and depression as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and same with anxiety, some amount of anxiety is normal and it's not like 
you want it to go away because it can't. It's dealing with it and not letting it take over your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, Utah's not done great. I mean, the... There, there's a few different there's a few different numbers out there. So there's um, uh, there's a I'm trying to find the the name of the site, um, but there is there's a website out there that um, has a, quite a bit of uh, stuff that they compiled for mental health in Utah. Um, the average share of adults reporting symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder. Uh, during the pandemic, um, this is as of October 2020, in the state of Utah was 34.6%, and as a uh, United States as whole was 37.7. So perhaps you know we've we've done a little bit better than the national average uh, for COVID stuff in particular. Um, but some of the other some of the other numbers are are a little bit worse. So, for instance, the share of adults reporting symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder who had an unmet need for counseling or therapy, meaning they probably reported this to their their actual physician. So, if you go into the physician's office now, I know with Intermountain, every time I go see a doctor, whether it's my primary care physician or I've got a like a sleep study specialist. It doesn't matter who I go see now. I'm always a- asked those uh, depression questions um, to, to kind of get an idea of what my anxiety and depression levels are like. Utah was at 26.5% or 26.6%. Uh, the rest of the U.S. was at 22.5%. Um, so there is a little bit, you know, a little, little bit bigger uh, chunk of people in the state of Utah that are um, having those symptoms and not. Uh, not getting counseling, not getting therapy. Um, yeah, just some interesting numbers out there. They're not too hard to find. Um, I wish I knew what the hell KFF stood for. I can't remember. Uh, KFF.org is is a uh, a website that you can go they go to. They they compiled quite a bit of stuff, and you can see some specific Utah numbers. Uh, you can see where Utah rates. Um, Utah in terms of foundation, Chris, what it's the Kaiser family foundation. Okay. There you go. There you go. Um, so for instance, uh, the suicide rate in the state of Utah, this is something that's really important to talk about. Um, we're at, uh, this is, this is a number age adjusted number for hundred thousand people, uh, in, um, 2018 to 2008 to 2018, Utah, just got to give you an idea in 2008, the national number was around 12. Um, ending around 14.2. So it went up about two people and, and Utah's number fluctuated quite a bit during that time, but we started at 16. We ended at 22. Um, so 22 people per hundred thousand. So we weren't ever average. No, we've, we've always been like the graph, like the U S is like this, like bar way down at the bottom. We've been double the national average, uh, recently basically, or, or really close to that. Um, in, in terms of suicide rate, you know, mental, mental health population in terms of the workforce, um, you know, Utah, Utah's struggling. Um, you know, we're, we need a lot of practitioners here. Well, and I think as, as helpful as the church is in some ways, it puts a lot of pressure on people to be a certain way whether that's a housewife that needs to be, you know, the perfect mom, whether that's a son who's expected to be a son and not, you know, uh, gay or transgendered or, you know, otherwise queer in some way. Um, it, 
we're still kind of set in, in a weird place in Utah where we're on the cusp of all of this tech, but in our daily lives, the way that we live our lives, we're very, very old fashioned still in the roles that we see people in. Um, and that shows up in how we pay women and, and all of that stuff. And I think that that contributes to why our suicide rates are so high because we've got a lot of disenfranchised people here. Well, and it's, that's an interesting point, especially the divide between women and men. Um, so, um, the, the, in 2019, uh, adult women in the state of Utah accounted for, uh, uh, they had a, a much higher, a much significantly higher rate of doctor diagnosed depression than men at 29.3% compared to 16 and a half. So almost double, uh, the diagnosed, uh, difference between women and men. Um, and but this I is think, all from Utah public health records. I think so. more men refuse to get help and report. It. And I think more women are apt to say something. Sure. Sure. That's well, definitely and women tend to have to go to the doctor more just because, you know, we have to get pap smears and breast exams and things like that. And so we're just going to the doctor as it is just more often, especially if you're having kids and things like that. And so if they're asking those kinds of questions that Chris is getting asked and, and they're being at all honest, it, they're much more likely to be diagnosed than a man who most men don't really go to the doctor regularly. Um, they only go if somebody forces them to, there's not very many men that are just, you know, on it with an annual exam or something like that. So so, I mean, the state of Utah is trying to do stuff about it. Um, the Department of Health, um, violence and injury prevention. There's a violence and injury prevention program. Um, they're, they're trying to, to partner with, or I think they have partnered with the Division of uh, Substance and Mental Health. Um, they're trying to, you know, the Suicide Prevention Coalition has been formed. Um, they're doing suicide fatality reviews. Um, you know, they're funding prevention activities in a lot of places. But I mean, what we're talking about at that point, you know, with with suicide prevention, I mean, we have the, you know, the uh, out of darkness walks and stuff like that. But what we're talking about when we get to that point of, of suicide is, you know, we're now not trying to solve the problem. We're trying to treat the, the end symptom. Right. So it's like giving a cancer patient morphine right before they die instead of changing that part of their lifestyle that got them cancer in the first place, or, um, maybe cancer is not the best example. Maybe it's like a, you know, a heart attack patient, you know, that has coronary artery disease. We're now doing bypass surgery on that coronary artery disease instead of dealing with that patient 10 years, 20 years earlier when we could have actually stopped the plaque buildup in, in the veins and the vessels. Um, and, and so there's, there is a big gap there. So the funding is generally really heavily, directed towards the end result prevention to save the lives, which I get. But I think the the earlier education, the earlier in inroads and, and steps and having mental health workers that, that can actually help people and having them available and taking the stigma away. Yeah, normalizing it. That those are those are going to be the big wins, I think, overall. I mean but that's just this guy's opinion. So I think you're right. As you know, someone who's had to seek um, mental therapy several times during my life, and it's it used to be a lot harder. It used to be a lot scarier of a thing to do, um, and it used to be something 
that I wanted to hide more than, than now. So I think it is getting a little bit better or maybe it's just, I'm older and I don't, just don't give a shit anymore. But, um, could be some combination. Yeah. But I mean, it, it does need to be made just that stigma has to be taken away. People have to be able to ask for help without people making them, you know, feel weak or wrong or like they're just not doing enough on their own. But all that is to say Utah is not a horrible place to be, guys. Um, we, we like Utah. We love Utah. That's why we're here. Um, but I, it, it's important to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, you know, as, as, as we see things like the housing crisis, that, that is an actual crisis that's going on right now. You know, I've got a, uh, I've got a guy that works for me that's been trying to buy a house for the better part of three months now. Um, has finally, after, I don't know, probably a hundred plus offers actually found a place that has accepted his bid. But it was, I mean, legitimately, I've been, you know, keeping tabs daily and he would tell me, yeah, we just put in an offer on a place. We don't get to see it for two weeks. And that's, that's where the house buying situation is. And, and every time a house goes on the market, the, the asking price of the house is well above market rate. The, the bids are all, well, I'll give you 15 cash above appraisal. Whatever the appraisal is, I'll just give you 15,000 more than that in cash. Like that's the kind of market that we have for homes. And they're crazy. When one listing goes up, it's got 40 to 50 offers in a day. Um, that's, it's just absolutely wild. And at the same time, we don't have enough housing being built to meet that demand right now. Um, you know, even with all the apartments and stuff that are going up, the rents outrageous, uh, and rents as much as a mortgage right now. It's more, it's way more. I mean, like the house at the bottom of our street five years ago was twenty two, twenty three hundred dollars $2,300 a month. I imagine it's probably closer to 3000 a month now. It's crazy. Which is why there's probably three families living in that house mm-hmm. because they're sharing a house. It keeps their rent down to, you know, a thousand bucks a month. But now you've got three families living in a house that's meant for one family. And the point of that is, you know, when, when you're in that situation trying to find a house, even in a healthy mental state, it wears you down. It stresses you out. It can put you in a bad spot. Um, and if you, you know, if you can't find a place to live, forget it right? Like your mental health is not going to be in a good spot. And what's worse is if you can't find a place to live, chances are you're not able to reach out and get mental health yet. Like you're not able to get that help. So, um, but I I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. And and I I think the conversation with, with Jesse is, is going to not be such a bad thing. Uh, I think we'll, we'll try and talk a little less about numbers, a little more, a little more about, um, ways to solve problems. Um, but, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that. Well, this uh, this week we're joined by uh, the great and awesome Jesse Shepard, Jesse the therapist uh, from the Morning Struggle podcast. Yes, yep. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, yeah. How uh, how you doing, Jesse? <laughs> I'm good. How are you guys? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, all these trick questions. It's been oh, a long, man. it's been a long week. This is not a normal recording time for us, for those at home listening. Um, but, uh, this is the time that worked out best to, to catch up finally with, 
with Jesse uh, and to be able to talk to her about a lot of different things. So um, we'll we'll dive right in. Uh, the first question that every guest needs to answer on our show these days, Jesse, is what month were you born in? April. July. Fourth of July, baby. Yes. Yeah, like early <laughs> April or late April? Late. Well, the 23rd. Okay, so that's twenty fourth like, of July, baby. Yeah. Twenty fourth, you guys. Are you, a, are you a Utah baby? What's your... That's like the slowest you guys have ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys do know each other, right? Do we know each other's birthdays? <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like, we're just we're just talking about when your parents conceived you. Yeah. So when we say twenty oh. fourth of July, baby, we mean that's when you were conceived. And Jess's oh birthday yeah. is right there. Like Jess's actual birthday is around there. So maybe she, they were celebrating Jessica's birthday. Maybe. Je- <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's going to work do. out age wise. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea how, how their ages work in comparison to each other. So yeah. Are you like 20, Jesse? Me? Yeah. I'm, let me do some quick math. Uh, 36. I'm 36. Okay, so so no, no definitely. Well, not. no, they could have been because Je- that means Jessica was born before her, so she exists. So Jessica th- existed before Jesse. Oh, that's true. Her parents could have been celebrating Jessica's birthday. See, okay. so well, we have been doing that every year, so that makes complete sense. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> you celebrate your conception and <laughs> her birthday at the same time. <laughs> I think we should all celebrate our conception dates, right? Like we should all have a birthday and a conception day. I think that's just only fair. Jehovah's Witnesses won't do it, but everyone else will. Think of the cakes you could make for that, Jess. <laughs> yeah, I could. <laughs> oh man! So, Jesse, were you uh, were you born here in Utah? I was. I I grew up in Kearns. Hey, Tan. We're in Kearns right now. Yeah. Woo, right recording, there. Recording live out of Ghettoville Gangland. It is not. What although, does our house look like right now? Although our house kind of looks like Gangland right now because we <laughs> we're getting the, it re, redone, the outside redone, and so they ripped off the siding yesterday, so it's like just bare wood. It just matches the rest of the neighborhood. No, it does not. You jerk. <laughs> Your neighborhood is not that shitty. Jeremy. You know what? It, you know what it matches is the new homes that you designed That's over true. by the Oval right now That's in the true. neighborhood. That's so. true. Because it's just wood. It just looks like a new house. So you uh, did you grow up in the Kearns area or just in the Salt Lake Valley? No, I I uh, I have I grew up in Kearns my entire life. I actually didn't leave the area until I uh, ended up working on the ambulance. And it was like this big, like, oh, there's the rest of the valley. (laughs) (laughs) So did you go to Kearns High? Yep, I did. Wow, you were a cougar. I mean, you were a cougar then. You might become a cougar again at some (laughs) point. It's always possible. Kearns High, and I survived. Life is amazing. It used to be the way that it is now, though. Yeah, but how long ago did it become the way it is now? It's actually not that old of a school. I think the school itself is only like maybe 50 years old. There's way older schools, so (laughs) it could be like that. Yeah. It wasn't super great when I was there. Kearns has always been a poor part of Salt Lake. Yeah, but when it was first built, it it wasn't as bad as it is now. So you went to Kearns High, and then you went uh, you went to school somewhere, I assume, yeah? 
So, uh, yeah, so I, I graduated high school and uh, went and became an EMT, um, certified through uh, the West Valley Fire Department. So that was pretty cool. And then I worked downtown and got that knowledge. And, and then I decided that I really enjoyed mental health calls. And so that's actually when I ended up going to school was about six years on the ambulance. So you went, you went to Kearns High, uh, and then you jumped on an ambulance and decided to work with the homeless for a while. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you're working downtown, it's a lot of homeless, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, it, it was fun because I was young and my back still worked. And so I felt <laughs> like, like I was helping people. But, you know, I, I really was interested in, in the mental health calls. So why, why, uh, why did you start working? In the first place, on an, on an ambulance. Are we like, delaying what, what, again? Like just one day, hey, that's what I want to do. Well, I really, I really liked the idea of going into medicine of some kind, but there was no way that I was going to go be a medical doctor. So um, I was like, hey, I'll go be, you know, an EMT, a medic. And so um, I was interested in it. And I also kind of had this idea that when people dial 911, like, everybody just runs and it's just this amazing like superhero kind of thing. And then you get on the ambulance and you realize like everybody takes a couple sips of their coffee and like it's a mosey type thing. I mean, you're still like walking forward, but you're still sleep de- deprived at that point. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I had this idea of what it was and it, it was kind of a double edged sword in many ways. Cause it was, it was fun. It was exciting. You get to see, the most amazing parts of humanity, but then you also have to deal with some pretty awful things. So it's kind of a two, two way street in that way. Yeah. I mean, my, my buddy Greg works for unified and you know, he tells me all sorts of calls, but at the end of the day, you know, he worked for gold cross for a long time too. Most of the calls they went on, he's like, we don't, we don't go put out fires. You know, (laughs) we, we deal with some auto accidents and we deal a lot with the homeless population and they're all, they all have mental health problems pretty much. All, all those people that are out on the streets that they're having to deal with on a regular basis. From an ambulance standpoint, they're, they're all mental health patients. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's, it's interesting to watch the system because the system has absolutely failed them in many ways. And so, um, I mean, that's what EMS deals a lot with are folks with mental health issues. Um, and so being able to serve them and figure out what to be doing there was really intriguing. So after working on the ambulance, what was next? Did you go to college and where did you go to college? Yeah. So I ended up uh, at the U and um, took classes there, uh, finished out. I actually got my bachelor's up there, um, ended up going to the University of Phoenix for a little bit and supplementing, um, getting the master's degree. And I, I worked a lot of mental health type jobs at that time. A lot of them, I weren't particularly enjoyable. <laughs> um, but some of them were, I mean, you need those experiences so that you know that you want to work in mental health and what you want to do. Um, and so that's really, you have to work a lot of hard jobs. So that's where I went with it. It was a good time. So was working at a, like a Seven Eleven or Wayne's corner Mart qualified as one of those mental health jobs? <laughs> I wish. No, I, I worked a, a lot of inpatient, inpatient type jobs. Um, a lot of, I worked with a lot of adolescents. Um, I did some in-home work, which was really interesting working with some behavioral stuff. 
um, each job kind of built on itself and made it. So I think I'm, I'm a better therapist now for it, but there certainly weren't easy and, you know, just really getting the reality of what people have to deal with. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so after, after college is over and you worked your way through college doing a lot of probably really horrific mental health jobs, um, you know, how do you, how do you land where you're at now, uh, in the practice that you're in? Well, uh, I, I was really excited about working with, um, folks with borderline personality disorder and people like working with kids, doing play therapy and that kind of thing. Um, so I worked at a variety of offices doing individual care, group care, that kind of thing. And then, um, I decided to open up my own office and, you know, create my, my own business. And, and it was really rough initially and it just kind of slowly took some ground and, and we're, we're off and running now. Is that still mostly what you work with is the, the borderline personality disorder or there, there a lot of other stuff that you deal with now? That definitely is where I started, but it, it definitely has expanded from there. I work with a lot of trauma at this point, um, all ages, but um, I, I'm really interested in first responders just because I spent so much so much time in, in that life that I, I hope that I can help them a little bit. Um, but yeah, my, my focus at this point is trauma, but along with that comes depression, anxiety, you know, various behavioral problems and things like that. So it's, it's, it's a good time. There's a good variety for sure. I'm kind of curious from your perspective, how the, uh, how the COVID pandemic of, of this last year has, has impacted you and your practice and, and just people's mental health in general. Well, to say that it's the pandemic has impacted us all is completely an understatement. Um, it's, it has really truly been a traumatic experience for every single one of us. And it's, it's a weird time to be a therapist because there's a lot of repetitive problems that are coming up. Whereas oftentimes there's, for us, there's a lot of variety. People have, you know, different situations that come up, different traumas. But now we're dealing with that people are isolated and lonely and stuck with their families. And it's, it's interesting how detrimental it truly is to our mental health. So what are some of the, what are some of the, uh, the things that, um, you're seeing more often in this last year from, from people that are, are definitely triggered from, you know, the, the pandemic, the, the media, you know, response to the pandemic, the recent presidency and crazy election cycle. Like what, what are some of the things that, that you're seeing from those patients that, that you want people to be aware of? Well, we, we really need to focus in on, how people are managing their distress. So we're seeing a lot of maladaptive coping mechanisms coming up, a lot of substance abuse. Um, there's also a lot more uh, domestic violence and, and just violence in general within the home um, that's coming up because people are distressed and people feel stuck. And so it, a lot of folks did not, and I, I would say myself included, and, and I very much focus on mental health, did not quite understand what that would be like to be that isolated. So it, it's quite, it's quite distressing and sad to see how people are coping and how, how distressing this really has been. 
what I've gathered so far, <laughs> quick recap, uh, you were conceived probably on the 24th of July uh, as, a, as a true pioneer Utah baby from Kearns. Yeah. You grew up in gangland and went to gang high. Um, and you decided all that gang life, that thug life was something you wanted to help out with. So you hopped on an ambulance, uh, rode around Salt Lake Valley for uh, a six few years. years. Was it six years? Yeah, it was um, a total seven. I started seven. six years, yeah. Seven years as an EMT, helping out a lot of a lot of bums, probably a lot of hospital transfers, is my guess. Yeah, you worked for like Gold Cross and lots of cats stuck in trees. Ambulance no firemen. Ambulances <laughs> don't go to that, dude. What is wrong with you? Uh, then you decide, hey, this mental health thing, I'm really into it. I think people deserve like uh, absolute access to mental health. You you go to school, you get a master's, uh, you do a whole bunch of really crappy mental health jobs so you can get a good mental health job. I wanted to back up a little bit and start asking about your podcast, um, the the Morning Struggle podcast, and how you actually got into that that uh, that arena in that space. Well, so I actually started a, a podcast with Jackson Carter yeah. um, called Get Yourself Together. And we were, we were doing that for quite some time. We went over mental health issues and um, various mental health tips and everything. And then um, Jackson became a movie star, like an amazing, famous person, super busy. But um, so we ended up um, stopping that for a little bit. I'm sure we'll bring it back at some point. But um, so then my husband and I started a podcast, the, the Morning Struggle. And it was basically my... My husband, I love him, but he is always trying to improve and make things more efficient. That's a guy thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It's cool. Even if it doesn't need improving. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and he's a, he's actually a, a fire captain for Salt Lake City. So they're all. So he helps get the, the cats out of trees. Exactly. He has saved many a cats and even a parakeet once, which I don't know. Nice. My cat killed a parakeet when I was a kid. Oh my gosh, you're scarred for life. No, I'm not. That cat brought home so many dead birds and mice for us. The best is when she'd bring home a mouse that wasn't totally dead. We had one run. That is not the best. We what is one... wrong with you? This is highlights of trailer court life, babe. We had one run up into the vacuum, like through the bottom, like into the vacuum bag. Because that was a better, that was better than being mauled by the cat. Yeah, oh yeah, you betcha. Whoa, I had such a different life than the rest of you. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's amazing. Yeah. So so anyway, back to back to your husband so, fixing everything. So fire, where, where is he? A, where is he? A fire chief at? Um, he's a fire captain. For fire captain. Yeah. Why are, you, why are you stuck on fire departments, dude? You thinking about burning stuff down? No, he's a little boy, and little boys all Fire are firemen. Trucks are awesome. They're very cool. They are very cool. But no, just just curious. That's all. Yeah. So okay. Uh, so he's fixing stuff that doesn't need fixing. Yep. That's that's his jam. And so uh, basically, about once a week, we would have a conversation anyway about something that he wanted to improve or like like the early morning wake up was the first one where he's like really successful people wake up at five o'clock in the morning. So we're going to all wake up at five o'clock in the morning. And I kind of laughed a little bit and said, that's a joke. And then he came up with all these facts and everything. And so I was like, well, we might as well just record this and watch Mm -hmm. people like laugh at us for doing this. And it just kind of, it kind of went from there. It's kind of what we do. And it's, it's, it's been fun for sure. And couple building, I guess. (laughs) So are all the things he wants to fix, like, 
self-improvement things or is he also like a like a let's fix things in the house kind of a person so so he loves self-improvement but he also he is he's put so many holes in our house like, <laughs> it it is ridiculous i don't i'm not even surprised anymore like one time i came home and i had a new outside door that wasn't a door at the first place. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) so he's, and it's, he's gotten better over the years. That's for sure. Like he's had lots of projects that totally failed, but this on this house, it's been pretty good. So I just have a rule in my house because I'm not the project person. It's Brie. And the rule is what is the rule Brie? Only one project at a time. And don't allow her to start new projects without finishing the one she was on. Because she is like the husband in the relationship that would start a million projects if she could. Oh, man. I have three projects going on right now, you guys. Well, I mean, technically, I have a painting project that I'm doing. And then we have the windows and the siding. So we have three projects. But I'm only in charge of actually doing one. Also, the other two projects are contractor jobs that other people are going to do for me and I know they're going to finish. Like I said, but, but Chris has a bunch of anxiety. He didn't ever really grow up in a house. And so like constant improvement on your house is not a thing that's normal for him. And I'm like, I don't know. I think we can just switch this electrical outlet. Let's try it. Like now you don't do that in a $10,000 trailer. You're going to burn that shit down. (laughs) That's a, that's a no, no. The window breaks on the, the front, like, open mudroom door to your trailer, like the part that's not really part of your trailer is just kind of sheet metal that's attached. You just put cardboard in that window. You don't try to replace the glass. <laughs> not even a piece of wood, just cardboard? Cardboard and duct tape. Oh, wow. Because it doesn't actually get into the house. My mom, so this is a true story. So we had a wood-burning fireplace in this uh, in this trailer. Right in the center, one of those old black cast iron wood-burning stoves. That Isn't a wood-burning like, stove in a trailer just asking for yeah, it? Yeah, it's an interesting design. Um, well, we had a coal bin out back uh, that was full of coal. And we chopped wood as well. Uh, and we did often burn coal because the coal burns forever inside of there. It's a pain to get started, but once it gets going, it burns at a fairly consistent temperature for a long time. Well, my mom had the bright idea to put uh, one of those uh, logs, like a wood, like one of those self-burning logs. logs. Yeah, with one of the coal pieces. <laughs> that thing was red hot in the center of the trailer. And then someone opened the door and all the cold air from the winter weather outside hit the like intense heat. It shattered the window on the door. It shattered the glass on the front of the fireplace. It was, uh, yeah, it was quite freaky, quite scary. Um, so yeah, that's why I don't do home improvement projects. Yeah, my my experience is like building out the basement. You know, making a like doing fencing, uh, you know, putting a a hot tub on the side of the house, like pretty positive, you know, home improvement projects. So like, I'm always gung ho to start a project. And if you get bored, you can just come to my house. You and my husband put more holes in the, in the house somewhere. What happens is I get bored and then my friends need help. And so then I just volunteer myself to help. And Chris. So yeah, I I volunteer Chris to help my friends too. Also, I'm okay with that because I don't have to come home to the disarray. Yeah. He, he can't handle the, when things aren't in their place, like he's not a clean freak, but he's kind of an order freak. And so when things have to be moved out of a room for painting or flooring or whatever, it, it it 
like his stress is <laughs> normally high stress level. Like whew, it's, it's gone. So what kind of a mental disorder is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many things. This is not Analyze Chris. I think it is. No, no, no. Well, we're supposed to be talking about how she started her podcast and why her husband's proclivity to destroy her home in the advancement (laughs) of, quote unquote, projects created a podcast. Yeah, well, because we might as well be recording it for other people's entertainment. (laughs) I'm sure Chris would love to record my projects because I tend to start them before holidays. So we've spent like a Christmas without cupboard doors in the kitchen. We did a Thanksgiving where I finished the floor the night before Thanksgiving and then just stayed up late and did pies and didn't and didn't ever go to bed. Um, We did a project before graduation where I redid the whole entire downstairs bathroom. (laughs) So so the morning struggle podcast is really just you guys talking about your crazy husband. (laughs) A <laughs> little bit. Well, it, it, we take a specific habit that successful people tend to have or that will make you successful. And then we, we break it down with like the science and, and like brain chemistry and things that, you know, make it, make it successful. And then, uh, we do an action plan about how, if you wanted to, you would go about doing that habit. So you're actually a therapist then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep the order. I love that you're ending in an action plan because that's that's one of the the big therapy things that I I get out of therapies. Yep, there's homework. <laughs> yeah, I'm adding you to my list of podcasts I listen to right now. Oh, so yeah. do you get up at five o'clock every morning now? Um, <laughs> so so my husband's been pretty good at it, and and I think it's part of station life too. They wake up early too. Um. I, I'm a little more rebellious. The snooze button happens more than I would like to admit, but I, I'm definitely more of an early bird than I was when we started the podcast. Yeah. Maybe that's what we should do when we get back from, from our morning walks and, and gym time is do a podcast. Yeah. Chris and I get up at four thirty in the morning because we are really bad at exercising after work. Like we can find every excuse in the whole book. And so if we don't do it in the morning, we don't do it. But oftentimes Chris has to start work at six. And so in order to accommodate that, we started getting up at four 30 and either walking or going to the gym by five. And some days are harder than others for sure. But just implementing that habit makes it more likely that you're working out makes it so you guys continue to be successful at it. See? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it doesn't help with how fat I am. <laughs> so, I'm working on that one too. That's a whole different issue. Um, so let's, let's, uh, well, let's get back more to, to, to mental health and, and um, some of the stuff that, that, uh, you know, a lot of people are dealing with, you know, obviously in, in 2020, um, you know, there's some news about Utah in particular, some recent uh, studies. But, you know, nationally, um, 2020 was really hard mentally on a lot of people. Um, a lot more stress. Um, you know, news doesn't help. What are what are some of the things that you would suggest for those people um, to deal with that? Well, we, we have to recognize that we have two different types of stress that are happening. Um, and they're, they're both quite traumatizing. So we have, we have to know how it's affecting us. We have to be mindful enough of that. We first have direct stress, which is the things you would think of like businesses shutting down, um, having our kids not go to school directly or face to face. Um, a a lot of different things that you, 
if you're talking to your mom, you're going to be telling her that the, the stress that you're having, right? But then we also have a lot of passive stress. And it's that's tends to be the stress that's ignored. As far as like media use was incredibly scary, fear based, clickbait, all of that. So we, we have a bunch of media, but then we also have to deal with day to day distress around the pandemic itself, we have to remember to wear a mask, we, you know, we're, we're all a little bit fearful, a little bit scared, even if we're starting to get into routines. And so we have to address both types of stress in order to be successful and feel okay about the world. I have a question, actually, you know, we talk about, you know, the new cycle and uh, a little bit about, you know, the clickbait inside of inside of like Facebook and really everywhere that you look. One of the things that, that I've been reading a lot about personally over the last, I don't know, year or so is the impact on social media and in particularly um, cell phones and their access to social media in your pocket for uh, not necessarily our generation, but our kids' generations, the kids that are, are growing up right now that are in those, those teenage years. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts on, on how that is, that is impacting society as a whole and, and maybe different age groups? Well, so it, social media in theory is an amazing thing. You can, you can connect with other people. You can stay in touch with people that you wouldn't normally or be able to easily. So it's, it's a really good tool in that way. I think the, the problem comes in when we, we're not getting other social interactions because we're, we're, as humans, we're very, very social beings. And so our, our face to face interactions are, you know, being able to, to be in a group are, are actually quite important to us feeling like we are okay. There's, there's this self-soothing that happens with, um, actual in-person, uh, social interactions. And it's, I, I, I think of, of, uh, I think of social media as kind of like the, the pop tart of meals. Like <laughs> it'll, it'll fill you up. Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you, but it's not a bad thing here and there. Right. Um, it's, it's being able to wait with other things. You need to eat some carrots every so often. So, um, it's hard though, because now that we have this pandemic, that is the people's main social interaction. And so, and and it's actually, you know, that there's the fear of this in-person interaction and how to do that in a safe manner. And so I, I don't know that there's a good answer necessarily to that. But I I think it's important that even as our teenagers and our kids, like elementary kids, middle school are already having cell phones, which makes me panic a little bit, Um, but that they also get those in-person social cue type social interactions because it helps, it helps brain development. It helps that executive functioning in that frontal lobe in a different way than social media does. So what about those folks who have like, who started out before pandemic anything with a social anxiety and had trouble going out? And now they're like, I love this because I find that as a person that has some social anxiety and I love being with my friends, but I always, I'm always anxious before and after. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love being alone, but I can feel uh, the, the tax that it takes on me, which is, 
even just to take my dog to day camp some days, I'm like, ah, I have to get in my car and go somewhere. Like I almost feel put out that I even have to go somewhere, which just kind of puts me in this weird, funky place where those folks who are just like, I really miss that social interaction and I'm ready to go do it and I want to go do it and they're excited. There's still a ton of, of me that's like, I kind of like having this limited, you know, need to, to go out. I, I like being able to kind of stay home and have a reason to be here. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's an excellent point because we all have different levels of social interaction that, that make us feel okay. Like you, like you mentioned, you love spending time with your friends, but not, not too much. And there's, there's, it's taxing even when the interaction is positive, right? So, so it's, it's making sure that we're gauging that according to ourselves and not the social pressures that we think we should be doing because, but pre pandemic, there was a lot of obligation and distress that were like, Oh, well, I have to be there because so-and-so wants me there. So, so now we have a, a really good out because maybe we don't feel comfortable or, you know, Oh, let's do a zoom party, that kind of thing. So I think that as we start moving back into being able to more comfortably move into social interactions, I think that it's important that you know the level of social interaction that you like, but then also that we don't, we don't push folks into these obligations. We, we allow them to have their level and keep, you know, how, let them have their boundaries and let them, you know, be okay. Like let everybody be okay with the fact that they, that's the level of social interaction they want. I've got, a, I've got some questions as it relates to, you know, therapy in general. Cause I think a lot of people therapy, you know, mental health is a stigma in and of itself in this country, but, but therapy, you know, by and large, a lot of people feel is even uh, not accessible to them. You know, if you get, you get sick, you break a bone, you go to a doctor, but, when it comes to, you know, getting help, you know, with, with your mental world, uh, a lot of people have a hard time even taking that plunge. Um, some of that's cost related. Um, some of it is just, you know, once you find a doctor or you find a dentist that works really well for you, uh, or someone highly recommends them, you just go to that one place and you kind of stick with it. Um, therapy is a, a lot like that, but therapy is a lot harder to find someone that, that you click. Yeah. With. It's more personal. If someone's just setting your leg because you broke it, it's not a big deal. But if someone, if you have to like divulge your personal, you know, history to someone, it, it it's a, a totally different place. So, so what do you say, Jesse, to, to people that are looking for therapy and, and, uh, it, how do you encourage them to, to keep trying if, if, you know, the, the therapist they try out doesn't work for them? Well, it, it's important to note that uh, as a therapist, you're, each therapist has their own style, and there's so many therapeutic modalities out there. Um, to make so to make sure that you click and do that consultation, have the conversation with them, and and ask them all of the personal questions that you want, because that therapist has to be open with you, just the same as you're going to be open with them. So if you have Let's say you you have a big trauma around uh, family issues or something occurred that way. Ask if that therapist is comfortable with that and, and really pay attention to how they react. Uh, because 
again, you're going to be you're going to be divulging a lot of personal information to this person. So you have to be comfortable with them and you want them to be comfortable with some of the things that you're you're going to be to bring up and to be able to be honest with you. So it's it's it does take a little bit of time to find that match and it it's it's a relationship. It is very you want it to be healthy, you want them to have good boundaries. And you want to make sure that you feel comfortable being there one hour a week for however long, uh, because that's really where true healing comes in. Can you just talk, you, you mentioned modalities. Can you divulge a little bit on that for somebody that doesn't know, you know, when you're going in to find a therapist, the kind of things that you would be looking for? Yes. So... Um, for example, the, the kind of umbrella therapeutic modality that I would say all therapists at the very least have been trained in it, um, but usually utilize it in some fashion would be cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's, it's taking what we're thinking, what we're feeling and how we behave and then how we would like to behave and setting goals in, in that manner. Um, there's dialectic behavioral therapy, which tends to be more around skill building in as far as like coping mechanisms, especially if we have maladaptive ones already set into place. Um, so those tend to be more talk therapies and skill building. But then you also have things like uh, EMDR, which is um, it's, it has to do with bilateral stimulation. It's, it's very, very well researched and very effective specifically with trauma, PTSD and as everybody does it a little different according to the protocols. Sometimes you're, your eyes are following the therapist's fingers back and forth within your eyes, you know, level on your eyesight. Um, they can use tappers. There's there's a light board with the, where the light bounces back and forth. Um, but the idea is that it replicates that REM sleep. And so you can bring that past trauma into the present. Um, and so it's it's that's less of a quote-unquote talk therapy and more of like a specific technique. But it's that's why you need to ask and then and then research on your own as well what kind of modalities you think would would fit and if you don't know have that therapist educate you on it. Well, and we've talked to like our daughters about your therapist isn't going to be offended if you start working with them and and you realize maybe this isn't the right connection mm-hmm. and and I have to find someone else. Um, cause that's, that's a huge thing, especially if maybe you're going in for anxiety or social issues or something like that, that you don't want to, you don't want to offend the therapist. And, you know, I'm not going to say that it doesn't, you know, necessarily sting the therapist if, if they lose a patient, but like they're there to help you. And so I think people need to realize it isn't like the broken leg where you, you know, you put up with the doctor for however long it takes them to heal your broken leg and, and then you're done. It's you've, you've got to find someone that you really connect with. And if you stop connecting with them for whatever reason, it might be time to find someone else. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's the thing you might do really good work with a therapist for a certain amount of time. And then you kind of outgrow that specific therapist for whatever reason. And there, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And then think about it. If you, if you express that it's not working for you anymore, that is demonstrating that you feel like you can be a good advocate for yourself. And, and in and of that, like that is amazing. 
And so, I mean, like you have to speak up, you have to be an advocate for yourself. So with COVID and everything and all the stress that people are feeling, I mean, just in everyday life anyway, but you add COVID and everything on top of it, what are some mental health survival tips that you can give people? Well, first, kind of at the beginning of the pandemic, we all wanted to be super productive. And I can't speak for Brie because I'm pretty sure that you're just doing projects this whole time. (laughs) But we all were baking bread and we were organizing things and we were, you know, remodeling things. Yes, we all had time, kind of. But then we also, it became different time because Mm -hmm. a lot of us then had to also teach our kids math. And that's a ridiculous thing. (laughs) New new math. Let's be clear. I've never been so grateful to be old in my life. (laughs) It just doesn't make any sense how they teach it now. I don't know if you guys have come across any of these Oh yeah. So what well, we we had a discussion. Who did we have? Was it with Shannon that we had the discussion on yeah, the math? Because he's, he's an elementary yeah. school teacher, uh, and and he actually had a really good explanation, uh, Shannon Barnson, um, which is basically like you know the way we all learn math. I say we meaning the older people. We all just memorized certain things. Like we memorized that one plus one equals two. We memorized that nine times nine is eighty one, and we just learned. That's just what it was. We just stuck that in our memory. But for, for people that aren't good at memorization, um, you know, that's not an adequate way to do math. It's not that they're not capable of doing math. It's that it's, it's just not something that it, they just don't have that memory skill. So instead it became uh, a way to do math without the memorization. And, um, it is a lot faster is what I hear. Uh, once, once you really understand how to do it, it is really fast to solve a problem in your brain. I don't buy it, but whatever. I'm, I'm very good at math. I would like to say, and I cannot help my kids with their math. No, it's really hard when you haven't learned that way for sure. Well, that's a really good explanation. So I'll, I'll remember that as I'm crying myself to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my daughter sent me this video on TikTok. This was like a year and a half ago. So I used to help her with her math homework all the time when she was in school. And there were nights, and I'm sure any parent that has helped a child with math homework has had these nights where you're just like, no, that's just how it is. That's not how the teacher shows us. I don't care how the teacher shows you. It's the right answer. That's how you get to it. Like you do these things. And there were, there were nights where she would she would be in tears and I would be frustrated and I would say we just need to take a break and so she sent me this TikTok <laughs> this girl that was crying because her dad was helping her with math homework <laughs> it was really funny because we can both look back at it now and laugh but um, that's a real struggle for people oh my gosh there is we need to pay our teachers so much more and then give them chocolate and hugs <laughs> I think that's something a lot of people learned through the pandemic that had to teach their kids school. Like, it's not an easy job. Oh, absolutely not. And I only had my children. I can't imagine if I held a whole classroom of kids of, like, picking their noses and (laughs) each other. I couldn't. No way. I couldn't do it. I mean, I like my kids, but I don't like other people's kids, so I couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually think pretty much all of our friends, there's a couple of them that are have been friends for a while and their kids are more common. But I think most of us have that same feeling like I'm way more I I'm so happy that my kids are grown. Like I love watching them out in the world. And I there are very few 
little kid things that I miss. I'm I'm one of those people that's like, yep, grow up, grow out in the world. I've got my life. You've got yours. It's great that you're my kid, but we are totally separate people. <laughs> that's that's the kind of parent I am. And sometimes I'm like, I'm such a bad parent. Like, I should have done more when my kids were little, but I'm definitely a more hands-on now that you're older. I get you more than when you were a little kid. Well, and you're, you're setting it all off in the world being successful. That's awesome. That's, that's perfect. That's perfect parenting. Yeah. So, you know, we, you were saying, you know, we've all been super productive and now the time's a little bit different. We're teaching our kids. We're doing things we weren't doing before because while we have free time, we don't really have free time. Right. Well, and I, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be certain ways. Like you, you're going to act different in the office versus at home. There's going to be more snacking. There's going to be more interruptions. And so making sure that you, you recognize that your time is different now and you're not going to have the same productivity or the same type of pr- productivity as you would in the office. And, and with that, we need to be very, very mindful of how we feel, like how we actually feel because Right now, it's all about a, a lot of coping mechanisms are all about numbing behaviors. So we we think of numbing as like al- drugs and alcohol, but when we're doom scrolling on Instagram or playing, it's not Sugar Rush. What is the Candy Crush? Candy Crush. <laughs> I think Sugar Rush is a mode. It is. It's it's that show. It's from Sugar Rush um, is from Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the video game for right. Sugar Rush. I'm totally fine with you playing Sugar Rush, but not Candy Crush. No, it's, <laughs> it, it's those. Well, people do get in Sugar Rushes too as a way to 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 self medicate and cope. Uh, absolutely. Well, and sugar is really interesting how it reacts to our body because it it gives us uh, dopamine and serotonin, so it replicates all of our happy hormones that make us feel okay. But it's but it's a relatively small quick bump. And so we have to continue to ingest sugar in order to. Sugar's kind of like throwing newspaper in a fire. It'll burn really fast, but it leaves a lot of crap behind. Yep. Yep, exactly. So, so that's why we have to pay attention to how we feel and recognize when we're doing numbing behaviors. Sorry, I wasn't expecting you to stop all of a sudden. <laughs> we were so intrigued. I was like, oh no, do we have another delay? <laughs> no, I was just listening with bated breath. Um, yeah. yeah, so, um, and then I, I know that you talked about a little bit uh, about, you know, being able to confide in people. We've talked about therapists, but, you know, finding a therapist, you know, getting a therapist, those those aren't the only ways that you can, you know, tell people your, your stresses because I always say this to Bree. Um, whatever she's stressed about doesn't stress me out necessarily. And what I'm stressed about, especially like with work stuff, she doesn't give a shit. Like it's not that she doesn't care. It just doesn't stress her out. Um, and so at least for us being able to talk to each other sometimes about things, uh, that we think are really stressful is super helpful. Well, in perspective, having someone else that's outside of it, you know, take a, a cold, but caring look at it. Because I can get amped up like nobody's business and he'll come in and be like, but is that really the best reaction? And I can tell him, well, you're super stressed out about this, but it's all going to resolve itself, you know, if you just relax. Well, and that's the thing is you guys have developed a communication style where um, you can bring him things and he can bring you things and you guys have know that you're going to look at it and be like, Hey, this is not that big of a deal or, Oh yeah, let me help you figure this out. 
Um, it, it's important that if we are talking to our loved ones, friends, that kind of thing, that we, we are communicating very clear with them that if they feel overwhelmed or feel like they can't handle it, um, that they indicate that to you so that you can find a different source to, to help process, vent, figure out the solution, that kind of thing. That is exactly what my therapist just said the other day. Oh, man. <laughs> the same person. That's amazing. We're all what, are some, <laughs> what are some of the other things that people can do to, to survive, you know, this pandemic and just life in general, if, you know, even if they're not seeing a therapist? Yeah, well, and, and it might be hard for you to see a therapist. So you can always talk to your pet. You can journal. You can you know, record and scream for a little bit. That's always a nice, <laughs> we all need a good scream every so often. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that you take breaks. I think, I think it's hard, especially all the political stuff that has occurred over the last little bit. I mean, the whole four years, but, um, <laughs> you know, um, but taking, taking a step back and getting, getting away from the news a little bit and, and regrounding yourself in your particular world is really important because we can get caught up in, in what's happening in the world and what's happening to other people. But then we need to reevaluate how much it's actually impacting us in our actual environment. That's a good one. I know I've had to step back. Uh, when COVID first hit and all the craziness was going on, I found myself watching the news, watching the updates constantly. And I finally got to the point where it's like, I can't do this anymore. I've got to step back. I mean, be informed, but not swimming in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause you could, you could realistically check the news, you know, once a day to three times a day and be completely caught up on, on what's happening. But we find ourselves cause we, we want to know if we need to know something. It's, it's a human instinct for survival to know where the danger is and what's happening. But it, the problem with the way that news updates now is that we can constantly be checking that and worried about our safety. And that's not good for our mental health at all. Well, it's also, it's also the source of the news sometimes too. So, you know, one of the things that has actually helped, uh, helped me quite a bit in the last year, you know, I, for a long time was an avid CNN reader and I've, you know, I've over the last couple of years, CNN has been, so anti-Trump that I think they've foregone other content. And, and, you know, I was, I was telling Bree the other day, you know, over the last year, you know, I've switched to non-US based news sources uh, for, for bigger global news, you know, BBC, Al Jazeera, uh, because they have a, they have a different view, right? And, and their first 20 stories aren't American politics. They're a bigger worldview. So that helped me quite a bit. Uh, and even over the last couple of weeks, I've just been so overwhelmed with the crazy, stupid political crap that I just needed a complete break from it. Uh, and so now when I look at news stories, I just skip past any of those. I, I go to stuff that is rather interesting to me, like the, the, game stock stuff, uh, the GameStop stuff and, and AMC and what's been going on with, with Reddit and that. So that that's a fantastic idea and I'm stealing it where we're <laughs> <laughs> looking at other, other countries, news sources, because they're, they're not in the muck of it. So right. that's, mm-hmm. that's very, very smart. Cause I, I talk about, um, diversifying where your news comes from just to get all views. Um, but yeah, 
Go to the BBC. <laughs> That's the way I watched the on the sixth. I actually watched it through a BBC channel, um, and it it was quite interesting because they had a correspondent that was more pro Trump. Um, talking about it from that side, but none of it was the radical part that you always hear that the crazy people, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease noises. It was all, um, very moderate and, and, and logical and helped me to get through it without it being so, so awful because even though I don't like what those people did, it helped me to maybe see where they were coming from and, and the crazed way that they got there by listening to something that was not so crazy, because that's the other thing that media does is it starts to direct you, right? So you do a search for something kind of middle of the way. And the more you, you do it, it kind of refines you until you you're lost down some rabbit hole and you forget to get that view from the other side that you were talking about, about diversifying where your, your news source or your information source comes from. Well, and, and, that's an excellent point because we're all still going to have to live and be neighbors with one another. So we need to diversify and then try to understand each other. And we don't have to agree, but we are going to have to all exist together. So it's important that we understand as much as we can from all views. I'm actually curious. I, I want to talk a little bit um, about availability of, of mental, uh, mental therapy, mental health help. Um, you know, one of the, one of the hurdles a lot of people have, I'm, I'm just, I'm always curious to get a therapist's take on this. Um, insurance, you know, healthcare insurance in this country is a, is its own whole huge ball of wax in terms of how we do it and how we insure more people and, and make sure people have access to even just basic healthcare. To me, mental health is, is a basic healthcare need, um, you know, for, for a lot of people. Um, but it's, it's not covered, uh, by most insurance. It's not covered at any kind of decent rate anyway, uh, by most insurance. It's still in the insurance space treated almost like, uh, like breast augmentation. <laughs> <laughs> or laser eye surgery in a lot of cases as, as an elective type of procedure when, I mean, the reality is it's, it's not, it's, it's a different type of, of health issue, but it's certainly a, a very, uh, a very serious health issue. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, from, from a therapist standpoint on, you know, people that have uh, a struggle affording uh, therapy or, or don't have insurance that covers therapy uh, in getting that sort of help. Well, so, so if you do have insurance, absolutely ask what they cover because I, people would be surprised how much, um, how, how many insurances actually cover mental health care. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of cash pay type therapists out there and, and that's fine and, and dandy and everything, but that eliminates a lot of people from being able to seek and actually get mental health care. And so, Make sure, making sure to check with your insurance. And if, if it's a Medicaid, Medicare kind of thing, um, it, it's not the easiest because the, the way that it's cataloged on a lot of the, the websites makes it a little more difficult. But um, a- absolutely keep looking into that and see what is covered and what, what isn't. Um, if a lot of communities, there's a lot of nonprofit organizations that will do various type of mental health um, services, or sometimes they'll do groups because groups are often a little cheaper or nothing at all. Um, being able to at least participate in a group setting, even if you can't get individual 
mental health care. Um, it, the, the mental health system right now that we have currently in America is completely fractured and broken and ridiculous. It, it doesn't serve the population that it's supposed to be serving the most. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's incredibly frustrating because, I mean, therapists do want to be able to, you know, live and have their, <laughs> which is fun. Um, but then we, we also have people who need our services. So, um, I, I would look at nonprofit organizations and see if they're putting on groups or if there's those kind of like, sometimes they'll have therapist led, um, nonprofit groups that you can attend that don't necessarily cost anything. Um, but it's, it's a little harder and I say little, but it's, it's really significantly harder to find health or mental health care, um, outside of the insurance system, but it's, it's absolutely worth seeking. So a lot of nonprofits. That's a, that's a, that's a good take on it for sure. Well, and, and even with insurance companies here, I'm going to get on my soapbox. Are you ready? <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. With, with insurance companies. And I, I, and I understand why we have insurance companies and I, I understand their function and you know, yada, 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 but we limiting mental health is not, doesn't make any sense. Cause I believe everyone should have a therapist on hand. Like that should just be a regular thing that everybody does because we all have stuff. And if we were all being able to regularly maintain our mental health, there a lot of these bigger traumas and issues wouldn't even come up because you've you've developed skills and you have a support system so that it doesn't get to these big, you know, big T type traumas. Um, and on the other side, there is a lot of stigma around mental health and diagnosis, and we use the DSM uh, DSM five for for diagnosing folks. And there's a stigma. So like if I, if I give someone a generalized anxiety disorder, or if I give them borderline personality disorder, the insurance company will flag according to whatever's happening and want case notes or have, you know, like this will, this is easy eight sessions kind of anxiety. Um, it's incredibly frustrating dealing with insurance companies. And I, I don't know that they particularly serve, uh, what they, what they should be doing. But again, I understand the function and that mental health care can be very expensive. I think on that note and and what you talked about with, with the way mental health um, is treated in the country, you know, for me, even just thinking about it, like it would be awesome to see in elementary and middle school and high school curriculum that, that kids are taught and not just in a stupid PE health class, but are actually, you know, maybe, maybe there is a class that they attend that is about, you know, maybe it's, it's different topics, but it's about coping. It's not a therapy session so much, but you know, a lot of therapy, you know, if it is about, you know, figuring out how to talk to people, figuring out how to cope, figuring out how to um, get past you know, anxieties and, and, and issues that you come up with and stressful things. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to like open up and tell everyone in a class what's going on with you. Well, sometimes it's about recognition too, because I've been working through some things. Like I didn't realize how angry I can get. Sometimes I knew I got mad, 
but I didn't realize this anger thing. And so as I actually recognize that, it's become easier to deal with. And I think a lot of people don't realize what's wrong because they don't have anybody to talk with. They just feel like they're not good enough or they're not doing a good enough job. But if you if you can't pin it down, you can't fix it or 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 talk to anybody about it. Well, and just making sure exactly that that we're normalizing that you can seek help and you can be able to observe your behaviors and and like you said, be able to recognize the anger and then then you know what to do with it if you know that it's there. And I know I know they've had a lot of really amazing success with teaching meditation to elementary students and how how that reduces bullying, that reduces aggressive behaviors, it reduces anxiety and that should be the mindset. We should be equipping our kids with these coping mechanisms. So down the line, this is not a obscure, weird thing we do. I want to get your thoughts real quick. We will have a couple more questions after this, but I do want to get your thoughts on um, some of the stuff that's been happening, you know, locally here in Utah and nationally uh, in terms of suicide prevention and, um, you know, the, the national suicide prevention hotline, obviously, but um, the legislation for, I think they're going to make it 988 is the number, if I'm not mistaken, in like a, in like another year and a half. Uh, as as almost a nine one one type emergency line for mental health. Mm-hmm. I I think it's amazing because not only are we giving out the resources, we're making it very accessible, um, but we're we're normalizing the idea that we all need to take care of our mental health and that there is an outlet. Like we can we can reach out because um, again, like EMS deals with a lot of mental health type uh, calls. And so being able to have that different number, be able to talk to somebody who ha- who is trained and knows specifically protocols and things um, and, and have that outlet is so important. And, and so I'm glad to see that, that we're really starting to understand as a society why it's so important that we give these resources and that we don't alienate folks. So how do people get uh, in touch with you uh, if, if they want to, um, you or your practice, if they, if they want some therapy, where do they find your podcast? Oh, yes. So um, they can go to bluecloverTherapy.com. It's kind of has all of our information on there, um, along with the, the Morning Struggle podcast. Um, and, and be completely like anyone can just reach out to me, just email me. My email address is, is on our website and I'm happy to answer any questions at all and help direct and give resources as needed. Do you have a, a bunch of different therapists that are, are working with you at Blue Clover Therapy? Oh yes. We have, we have quite a variety of folks and they are all absolutely amazing. And, uh, that way I, I like working with all of these individuals because, then if someone isn't a good fit, it makes it really easy to just transfer to another therapist and see if they're a good fit. Because that's, that's really the key. If you are, if you really click with your therapist, then you're going to do some really good work. And so it's very exciting that we can give that option to just make it really easy. And you don't have to go through the insurance thing again, and all of that jazz. It just, we have some really awesome folks here. That's great. Okay. One last question for you and then we'll let you go. Um, 
this is a question we ask everyone. Um, you're a native Utah. Uh, you've you've lived here your whole life. It sounds like. Uh, what's what's the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah in your life here? Ooh, unique. Does it need to be kind of crazy? It can be whatever you want. Whatever you want. Um, you know, I, people, people, some folks don't, you know, they think Utah, Utahns are a little weird, which is funny to me. Um, cause we're, we're all right. We're just diverse, right. Um, in, in our personalities. Um, but let's see. I, I love our outdoors. That's not very unique, I guess, but, um, but I spend a lot of time outdoors. I live in Eagle Mountain where all the mountain biking is awesome. And it, it, I think it enriches our life being able to be outdoors. So sorry, that's not very, it is, it is unique though. Like we don't think of it as unique in Utah, but if you lived in places like Texas or California, the, or even Colorado, the landscape of Utah and in particular the Wasatch Front is, is quite unique. You forget how close the mountains really are mm-hmm. unless you go away for a while or you're new to the area and it's like, holy cow, the mountains are right in your face. Yeah. I mean, like even our daughter, Cassie, who just moved to Denver where there's mountains real close to Denver, they're not Utah close. Like they're, they're not 30 minutes away from you. And, and where Denver is high, she can't see them and she's, she loves Denver and she loves being out there, but she's like, I really miss just seeing. Yeah. Just looking out onto the mountains, feeling that it's a safe, I think the, it makes the valley feel really safe because um, you're kind of surrounded and it, it, it makes it feel cozy and kind of nice. Well, and you always know where you're at because if you're around yep. the mountain structure, like, oh my gosh, I'm turned around. You can like, okay. This is- <laughs> <laughs> or you can just take Chris with you who can be somewhere for like 12 hours and he's like, oh no, you turn left out of here and then go right and then go and you're like. It's like 30 minutes. I, I don't even know where I am. That doesn't take half a day. It takes like 30 minutes to orient myself. <laughs> I like your Google Maps. I, I'm just a Google map. <laughs> I, also, I used to travel a lot in the days where Google Maps didn't exist and GPS didn't exist yet. We used to MapQuest. MapQuest. Print, print it out because yeah. you didn't couldn't take I, it with you. Either MapQuest or you'd actually get a map. And when you got to where you were going, you would ask whoever you were working with directions to places and the directions were the old school directions like we're well, going to take this road you're going to hang a left at the first left you're going to drive about two miles and you're going to see a beat up old blue car next to an old sign that you can't read you're not going to turn right there you're going to turn right at the next street it doesn't have a street sign then you're going to go about three blocks like those were the directions that you got and they worked they got you there but if you weren't good at backtracking um, you would get lost really fast and so i just learned direction sense pretty quickly <laughs> So. See, that's a lost skill. We need to bring that back. It is. Oh, please is. don't! I would get lost all the time. Yeah, my daughters still don't know their way around Salt Lake without a uh, without a GPS. Uh, well, that's that's Sean, but my my little Sean. Are, are we? Have we? Are we just chatting now? Or are we still recording? We're still recording. Well, I know. I was just going to ask her something later, but I'll just All hold right. on to so it. So we'll, <laughs> we'll wrap this up. Thank you so much, Jesse, for joining us. Sorry about the bit of difficulty at the beginning, but this was, uh, this was a fantastic conversation. Oh, you guys are wonderful. And I'm pretty sure that I don't know what I did, but it was absolutely my fault. No way. No, <laughs> no. Way. I'm pretty sure it might have been us. <laughs> Thank you again to uh, to Jesse uh, from uh, Blue Clover Therapy. Um, it was a fantastic conversation. 
I think Bree could have talked to her for several more hours. I, know <laughs> I, I think it's interesting. I've, I couldn't ever go into the profession. I'm too mentally unstable, but I have a, a, a high regard for it. And Chantel, my youngest daughter, is going into the profession, and she's definitely suited to um, empathize with people and and really try and understand them. And it, it takes a special person to do that. And so... Um, you know, we need, we need more of those people that can care and, and, and care give to other people because it's, it's not easy to take on the woes of, of everybody else. Uh, again, I'm going to give out that suicide prevention hotline. I think it's important. And, you know, um, hopefully some of the stuff Jesse said, uh, helps, um, gives you some, some stuff. She has a ton more, like she sent us a huge list of, uh, of things that we could potentially touch on, uh, in terms of coping mechanisms. And I think we, we hit just a few of them. Um, you know, obviously you could reach out to, to Jesse, like she said. Um, but, uh, if you're at a space where, you know, you can't, or that doesn't make sense, you can always call 1-800-273-8255. Uh, and someone will be there to answer the phone and talk to you. Um, and, and, uh, just have a conversation with you. Just let you know, you're not, you know, you're not by yourself. And, um, you know, if you're in a place that you need more help, they'll, they'll help you get that help. That's, that's what they're all about. So. Also, uh, while you're, you know, while you're talking to them, if you want to hit share, uh, <laughs> share button on whatever platform you got our podcast on, that's, that's helpful to us. Um, you know, we, we like people to hear, uh, hear us talk. That's why we do this. Um, we like to hear ourselves talk. At least I like to hear myself talk sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brie gave me a dirty look like I did. It wasn't a dirty look. It was just a weird, um, but uh sharing the sharing the episode really helps us so uh if you can do that that's that's the best way to help us out you can find us on any social media platform we're at TNU podcast the, you know the new utah podcast you just search for it you'll find us also our website thenewutah.com let us know what you think about our blogs um they've been uh, in full swing with different people now for a while and uh uh, maybe they suck. Maybe you want us to just go back to putting it all on Jess and making her do everything. <laughs> I don't think she wants to do that. I don't know if she would stick around if we made her do that. Um, but uh, if you have feedback, I'm sure we're all happy to hear it and and uh, maybe make adjustments or maybe tell you you're crazy and it's our show and we'll do what we want. Um, that's to be determined. So, uh, And also thanks to Folk Hogan. Uh, I don't say it enough on the show for our intro and outro music. Those guys are fantastic. Uh, please take some time to support local artists, local businesses, um, patronize them, uh, local restaurants and, and bars in particular, if you're into that stuff, um, really, really, really need your help. So hopefully you have a good night and um, just a word to the wise. Just a good night though. So if you're listening this morning, no, you suck it. No, have a good night <laughs> at night too. Uh, but if, if, uh, if you are listening, I've got one word of advice. Don't give your wife a shit stash.